0: There's a beauty in stripping away the pieces of us that don't serve, the pieces of us that make us the worst version of ourselves or that sort of create something negative inside of us. And if you don't take time to think through that and unpack it, then you run the risk that it's going to stay with you forever. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm Rachel Hollis your host, your friend, your big sister, your favorite cousin, you know, basically whatever you need me to be, your mama, like I'm will i here for it. I am – this is so silly, but I'm so distracted this morning by (laughs) my back is so tense and my shoulders are so tense and I haven't had a massage in ages. And I keep – this has nothing to do with today's episode, but just roll with me for a minute. I keep – Trying to get a massage appointment, and like every time I go to look for one on a couple different places where I know to go in Austin, it's like they don't have anything for like a month. And then when I I just get like, oh, I don't, I don't want to wait that long. I'll find another option, and then I don't book it. And then that month goes by, and then I think, ah, oh, why didn't I just oh, Rach, get it together. And today I went to see about a massage. I still didn't book it. But I did have a great thought, which I was like, oh, dang, is it harder to get a massage now? Because one of the things that people took out of 2020 was the importance of health and self-care and taking time out for yourself. And I just really want to believe that that is the truth. And that's why it's hard to get someone to rub the tension out of my shoulders. So I flipped it and I feel like it's an awesome thing. And I'm going to just continue to try and handle this myself. I will go out and like roll, you know, use like a foam roller and roll out my back. I'll use a heating pad. I try just about everything because my boo thing is in Europe for a couple of weeks. And that's usually who I turn to. I'm like, can you rub my shoulders and make this feel better? But that has nothing to do with today's episode. It was just something I thought. I was like, dang it. Are we all out here practicing some self-care? Because I'm here for it, guys. And if you're not practicing self-care, maybe you're listening to this podcast because you needed that reminder. Because today we're going to talk about mean girls and whether or not you, I, anyone listening might have some mean girl tendencies or just straight up be a mean girl. What does that mean? Why does it happen? And how can we make change? And actually, come to think of it, starting the conversation talking about self-care is not a bad idea. Because if you're truly loving yourself, then you'll truly love and care for other people. So that's what we're chatting about today, everyone. Let's start with this topic. I'm not sure. It must have been invented by Tina Fey. When she wrote the movie Mean Girls. Or, oh, wait, no, that, yeah. Cause that movie I feel like is based on a book, unless I'm crazy, called something like Queen Bees and Wannabes. I feel like I heard that once. I'm a big Tina Fey fan. So I feel like I heard that once. And she wrote the movie Mean Girls, which if you have not seen, I c- come out from under the rock that you've been in for 20 years and give that a gander because it still holds up. It's still hilarious. It's Lindsay Lohan. I won't say it's at her best because I really think we can all agree that the best Lindsay ever was was in Parent Trap. Remember when they remade Parent Trap with Lindsay and it was fantastic and it had, oh, what is his name? The handsome Quaid was in it as the dad. And then, oh, I forget who plays the mom. She died in that tragic skiing accident, rest in peace. And then there was Meredith. Why do I only remember one character's name? I don't even remember the girls that Lindsay Lohan plays, but I remember Meredith, which was the dad's fiance. What a movie. Again, nothing to do with this. Mean Girls. Mean Girls, the movie. Fantastic. Sort of gave us all this phrase and this terminology. But what I want to talk about today is how this actually shows up in real life and This shows up in school, obviously. I know that there are listeners of the show who are in middle school and high school. What's up, girls? Thanks for joining. And I'm sure that y'all are experiencing this every single day. But it also carries over into adulthood. Many of us are having to interact with a mean girl in real life. And I'm going to talk about that, but really why I wanted to do this episode Was because I wanted to consider what if you're the mean girl and you never thought about it before? And so I'm gonna go through some things today and I just want you to open your mind and open your heart to where this might show up for you because I genuinely live my life trying to love everyone and work so hard on being non-judgmental and being open and accepting of every person and even with that as a core value and something that I aim for in my life even then I still find myself judging or even when I was going through and making my notes I still was like oh dang I definitely have done that before so I don't think any of us escape this and there's a there's a beauty in stripping away The pieces of us that don't serve, the pieces of us that make us the worst version of ourselves or that sort of create something negative inside of us. And if you don't take time to think through that and unpack it, then you run the risk that it's going to stay with you forever. And that's what I want to dig into today. So just to start, let's talk about the different kinds of mean girls Because it's possible that you actually are one of these and you don't think that you're a mean girl because you're not actually being mean to someone's face, okay? So the snarky mean girl, the one who's sort of got like a snarky comment for everything. They sort of say bitchy things under their breath. They make backhanded compliments. They're like this little – they're just like – they're snarky and they're not overtly mean. They're not like super hardcore rude, but they're also honestly not someone that other people gravitate to. They put people off. And oftentimes that's a protective mechanism. We're going to talk about that, like kind of why do we arm ourselves with these things. But one type of mean girl is the snarky mean girl. The second type of mean girl is the funny mean girl. Now – This is the person who makes everyone laugh. Like She is the life of the party, she's always got a joke, but all of her jokes are about other people. And more than once in life, maybe more than once in your interaction with her, there's been a joke that goes too far. There's something that she says that really hurts your feelings. Or she sort of pushes the line just like a little bit too much but if you uh, oftentimes we don't say anything cuz we're like oh they didn't mean it right or maybe you actually do have the courage and you tell your friend like hey that that actually stung that hurt my feelings the funny mean girl's like oh lighten up like it's just a joke can't you take a joke the funny mean girl the third kind that i thought of was the passive aggressive mean girl oh man the passive aggressive mean girl coming to you live in the form of mother-in-laws all over the world. Uh, It's the person, the woman, the girl at school who is absolutely judging you, is absolutely thinking negative things, or wants you to know that she thinks what you're doing is wrong, but she's not actually going to say it straight to your face. She's going to couch it in a passive-aggressive way. You know, it's the, oh my gosh, it's, it's, Amazing that the kids are doing so well in school, given how much you work, right? It's the, it's the like, I'm gonna passively attack you. But make no mistake, even if it's a passive approach, it's still absolutely someone being mean. The fourth kind that I thought of was, and this might be a lot of you. So I want you to like take this in for a minute is the mean girl that only is mean behind people's backs. She just talks crap about everybody to everybody. And make no mistake, I, I actually had a an adult friendship, meaning like I was friends with someone in my adult life that was this person. And I should have realized this as a red flag. She had shit to talk. About every single person that we both knew, and even people I didn't know. She always had something to say. She always had, like, a like, got gossip, big gossip. And you probably have, like, women that you know, moms at school, girls at school, women at church who love to gossip. But make no mistake, if someone's gossiping about everybody, you better believe that they are gossiping about you. Two other people. The behind-your-back mean girl, I think, is a lot of people, and they don't realize, oh, crap, I am. Because if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I believe in the idea of and the energy that we put out into the world and how that is the result of the energy that we get back. And I honestly wonder this a lot. I wonder how many people, not just women, but men, kids, whatever – are going around unconsciously being mean, being judgmental, saying snarky things, and they're putting that negative energy out into the world, and the negative energy is coming back at them, and they don't understand why. Like, how many people are not making the connection between their actions and the karmic response? Because what you put out is what you get back straight up, like, go listen to my episodes about law of attraction, about manifesting. Uh, like, I have a, I have a perfect example of this. So it's not about being mean. This is about what you put out into the universe. So if you listen to my series on law of attraction, I – oh, golly, I can't remember which episode it is. I apologize. But if you scroll back a little bit, you'll be able to find it. It's a two-part episode on law of attraction. It was really popular with listeners. And inside one of those episodes, I did this thing called the $10 challenge. It was something I made up in the moment because I just wanted to prove to people that what you are putting out into the world, you're going to get back. And what we expect is what we will receive. So I, was, I challenged listeners. And I said, I want you to challenge yourself that you're going to find $10 this week you're going to find it on the ground. You're going to find it in an old purse. You forgot it was there. But like, I want you to anticipate that you're going to find 10 bucks. So we do this $10 challenge and the response was wild. I made whole episodes. Like we put together whole episodes with people just sharing their stories of how they just kept finding money. And spoiler alert, nobody found just $10 everyone found like $42 or or $12 or whatever. It was just this like beautiful example of like what we're putting out and taking in. So I was um, was doing – I was recording episodes. I just recorded two episodes, which hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen to, about the mindset that you need to attract money. And really those episodes were about what we believe about money and how we were raised by our parents and subconsciously and how that affects our ability to hold on to money and not self-sabotage money, you can go listen to those. But anyway, I was recording these episodes and I was talking about the $10 challenge. And when I finished recording, I thought, you know what? I'm going to make up a new challenge for myself. And by the way, you guys can totally steal this idea if you want to, but I'm going to make up a new challenge for myself. I'm going, and and I don't want it to be something that can sort of be an accident. I really want to challenge myself to attract something into my life that like can only be the universe. It's not like, oh, I found, you know, oh, I'm going to find a penny. Like we could all find a penny on the ground. But I wanted it to be something that I felt like I would know the universe was supplying to me. So I come up with this idea. I'm like, someone is going to buy me a drink. I know, right? Like Okay, uh, but I just thought, well, that's a cute idea. Like, someone buy me a drink. That really doesn't happen in life, FYI. I'm not single. I'm not going out by myself. I'm not, so I don't really have people buying me drinks. And I just thought, if that happens, when that happens, I'm gonna know that this is the universe giving me like a wink. So I tell my boyfriend, I'm like, here's my idea. The universe is gonna send me. Someone's gonna someone's gonna buy me a drink. And he's like, okay, can I buy you a drink? I'm like, you're so sweet. No, that's not the point. It has to be a stranger is going to buy me a drink. And I don't know if it's going to be coffee. Like I'll be in line at a coffee bar and someone's going to be like, oh, this one's on us or whatever. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it's going to happen. So a day goes by and like two days go by and I'm like just sort of anticipating like, oh, where's my drink coming from? Like it's going to come to me. I know it. And on the third day, I was reading – Some book, and I don't know what it was, but it was talking about this idea of like what we're putting out. I think it was Louise Hay. If you guys have not devoured Louise Hay, she's the freaking grandmother of all of this conversation. God rest her soul. Like go listen to her stuff on Audible. Go grab the books. The first one you should start with is called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Go check that out. So I'm reading this book and something in it triggers this idea of like what We put out is what we get back. And I have this like realization, this spark of, oh my gosh, I need to buy someone a drink. I need to, like, if I want the universe to supply me with that, I'm going to buy someone a drink. What a fun idea. So I just sort of put that in my head. And that afternoon, boyfriend and I go on a date and we go to this Restaurant that we love, and we sit at the bar, and there's live music, and we have a great time. And at this bar, the last time we were there, we had met this older woman. She's got to be in her 70s. And she goes and sits at this bar every single day. Every single day, her husband's passed away, and this is like her life. She sits at this bar. Every single person at this restaurant and this bar know her. Sometimes she has friends, sometimes she doesn't, but I mean, I'm sure this kind of person exists all over the world. It's just like her jam. This is what she does. And she sits at the bar and she makes friends. And it just so happens that the last time we were there, I was sitting next to her and we make friends, right? And so the next time I go, there she is. And this time she's here with a couple of older people her age, and they're all sitting at the bar. They're having a great time. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, she's the one I'm going to buy a drink for. She is the one I'm going to buy a drink for. Like This is amazing. So I tell the bartender, I'm like, hey, if I buy her a, a shot, will she do it? Because I just had this instinct that this older woman would get a kick out of someone buying her shot because like, what in the world? And they were like, oh my gosh, she will love it. Like, she'll totally do it. She's wild. Like, you should get her a shot. So I was like, this is so fun. So I'm like, okay, you guys get a shot. Like, whatever you think she'll love, get a shot. So I'm watching, like, in anticipation, like, Mr. Burns in The Simpsons, just like, (laughs) hehehe, like, can't wait for her to get the shot. So I'm watching, she gets it, and she's so confused, like, what is going on? Where did this come from? Whatever. So I roll on down. I'm like, hey, girl. And she's dying laughing, and she's like trying to do the shot, but she doesn't know how, whatever. And the whole time this is happening, at the table behind her is a woman who had recognized me. And is highly possible. She listened to this podcast because she said she was a fan of the podcast. I want to say her name was Ashley, but forgive me if I've gotten your name wrong, sweet friend. But earlier in the day, she had come up to me and said, oh my gosh, love the podcast. So grateful for your work. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're! thank you for saying hi. And I go over to sit with my friend who's going to do a shot. And it just so happens that the girl who had Complimented me and said hi earlier, was sitting at a table like behind her. So she's watching, being like, What is going on? Like, what is this older woman in her 70s doing a shot? Why is Rachel over here? What is going on? And everyone around us, bartenders, the older couple that was with my new friend, we're all just like cackling Diane. It was so funny because there's just such joy in the moment of being unexpected, right? So we have this great moment. It's so fun. She does a shot. She gives the greatest toast I've ever heard in my life. Hold on. I have to remember it for you guys. I just want you to imagine, like, just in your heart, like, woman in her 70s, white hair, holding a shot, and she says, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. It took me a minute. I was like, it rhymes. What is that? Okay, She holds the, the shot up, and she says, here's to those who know me well. All the rest could go to hell. And then she just the shot. It was amazing. It was amazing. She was such a fireball. It made me so happy. We're all cackling. It's just like, this is totally joyful moment. I go sit back with Boothang. We're listening to music. And at the end of the night, the server comes over and says, oh, hey, just so you know, your last round was on that table. And she points to the gal who had recognized me from the podcast. So I just want you to track this for a minute with me, guys. I wanted to just get like a wink from the the universe. And then I was reminded that the goodness that we put out into the world is what we get back. And another woman watched me buy a drink for someone just purely to delight and to send joy and just to give this woman a little moment of significance. She watched me do this, and then it was like a domino effect that then she bought my drink. It was that fast. And that's what I think is so amazing about the universe and amazing about the vibration that we put out. Because we think that it's supposed to be hard. We think that we have to wait for joy. We think that we have to wait for happiness or abundance. And the truth is, when you put it out, it comes back to you almost immediately. When it's from a purely joyful place, when there's no ulterior motive, when you're not doing it to get something, it's that fast. But the reverse of that is also true. Why does it matter? If you know whether or not you are a mean girl, you have mean tendencies. Because if you are feeling like, what man, why does this feel so hard? Why does why is this rough? Why do why do I have friction with the people around me? Why do why does why do I feel like everyone's always mean? Whatever. Cause a lot of times mean girls are just react, they're like, I'm just reacting to other people. But what they don't understand is that their vibration is so low that their vibration is so toxic that they're actually attracting that toxicity back into their life. So it matters because I think that you want a better life. I don't think that you want to be this way. I don't think that you want to be this person because it is impossible, impossible for you to be mean, without that being the result of pain that is inside of you. If you're being mean to other people, however that shows up, it means that you're in pain. That's why it matters. So let's talk about how mean girls operate. And again, I want you to be really open and honest with yourself about whether or not any of these apply to you. So... The first characteristic of a mean girl, these are not in order, these are just as they occurred to me, is they are judgmental. Mean girls are very judgmental. They are judging other people for everything. She's judging you based on your outfit. You're judging her based on her religion her sexual orientation. You think her hair looks funny. You think she's not parenting correctly. You think she's screwing up. You think that you could do a better job if you were given her opportunities. You think that she's spoiled. You think that she's entitled. Fill in the blank. It doesn't matter what it is. And frankly, it doesn't even matter if you're right. The judging hurts you way more than it does her. See, one of the... the greatest gifts I hope to give my children is autonomy over themselves. Autonomy over themselves, meaning I want every single one of my kids to believe that they get, they can dress however they want, they can love however they want, they can believe what they want, they can be their own unique beautiful special creation i care about their values i care about their heart i care about are they kind to others that's what i care about i don't care if they have a mohawk i don't care if their hair is green i don't care if they want tattoos i don't i don't care that is a, an outside reflection of self expression I care about who they are on the inside. And the reason I want them to have autonomy over themselves is because I believe that when when they have freedom to be who they are, they will automatically give it to other people. If you're on my Sunday email, if you get my Sunday email, you a couple of weeks ago probably read the email I sent out about my son turning 15. And if you're not getting my email, I write an email every single week about My life, about things that are helping me, about my favorite books, about my favorite nail polish, like whatever. The link is in the show notes or the description of this. If you're watching YouTube, just sign up. It's a free email, it comes every Sunday. But I wrote this email about my 15 year old, and he's just the most confident, amazing kid. And he's so himself. He wears nail polish, he does musical theater, he is so proud of who he is. He always has been. He wears, like, crazy vintage clothes from the Goodwill. And, like, y'all, we do not live in New York. He goes to high school in Texas Hill Country, which, if you're confused, is not a very liberal, like, welcoming, and he's just his freaking self. He wears chunky rings and necklaces. Like, he's just him. It's beautiful. And not only is he himself, but he just is not judging of other people, like, He's never like, oh, look at that guy's out. Like, everybody's allowed to be who they are. You're only judging if you feel that you do not have freedom. You are only judging someone if you feel in some way oppressed and constrained. Because if you feel like you're allowed to be who you are, you give other people permission to do the same. It's like, it's always amazing to me that people who are really conservative Americans tend to talk a lot about freedom, right? And they'll say, you know, this is a free country and blah, 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 blah. But those people often are really judgmental about people who are not conservative like they are. And the opposite is also true. The the hypocrisy in like, Conservatives talking about being free, the free country and then judging people who are trying to freely express themselves. And then the opposite is also true because hardcore liberals are often so liberal about their freedom and being who they are and accepting of everybody, but they're so judgmental about conservatives. And this just pushes us further away from each other. And I think that the judgmental nature. I mean, it's always existed, but it's certainly worse now that people can hide in the anonymity of a comment section on social media, right? Like it it, it used to be that you sat at a table with someone or you would like have beer together or you'd be in class or around a dinner table and you'd be like, I totally disagree with what you think. And they'd be like, well, I totally disagree with what you think. And then you'd talk about it like human beings. And maybe one of you would help the other one to understand your perspective. Or maybe you just agree to disagree, but it was like a real conversation. This weird warped world that we live in with social media now allows people to just judge like in a snapshot, right? Like I saw one thing and now I think you're an asshole. And I'm going to by the way let you know. And again, the thing that you're judging them for, remove it because it doesn't even matter. I know that this may come as a shock to many, but how someone else lives their life actually has no effect on you. This is what's freaking wild, so wild to me. I love I love you all. I love you all. I'm trying to talk from both parts of this. But what is forever so shocking to me is people who are very have very conservative religions who will decide that how someone else lives their life is affecting them especially i mean if we let's just let's take christianity the number one tenet of the christian faith is love thy neighbor love thy neighbor as thyself but Let's just take love thy neighbor is is where we start. That's a foundation. That's the call to arms, right? Love thy neighbor. Not judge thy neighbor. Not tell thy neighbor that they're doing it wrong. Because how she's living, how she's mothering, how he's voting who he loves doesn't actually affect you. And frankly, if you're obsessing over the judgment of other people, I have to wonder, if it's easier for you to judge them than it is for you to look at your own heart because usually what we're judging someone else for is something that either we are jealous, which I'm going to get to in a minute, we're jealous because on a core level, we want the thing that they have and we don't have it, or there's something in them that is a reflection of ourselves. We're judging because we see something in them that... that. Mm, That hit me funny. And so I'm going to judge because I'm trying to separate myself from having to look inside. But the bottom line is the judgment, it doesn't do anything for you. If you want to get biblical, because I'll quote scripture with you all day, preacher's daughter, preacher's granddaughter, judge not lest ye yourself be judged. People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. It's not serving you. And... Unless I'm, I don't, I'm not mistaken. Hold on. Gabby Bernstein does have a book called Judgment Detox, which I have not read, but it's what popped into my head if you feel like this is you and you want to work on judging less. Okay. The second thing that I thought of when it comes to Mean Girls is asking yourself, what is, like, what's the root cause of this symptom? Like, do you understand the difference between a symptom and a root cause? A symptom, a headache is a symptom. My back hurting is a symptom. Now, you can treat a symptom, right? Like I could take some Advil for my back hurting or for my head, headache. But because I'm not treating the cause of the backache or the headache, because I haven't stretched or because I didn't have enough water, because I didn't get enough sleep, there's all sorts of reasons why you could have a headache or a backache, right? If you don't treat the root cause, we'll just be back again here tomorrow, Treating the symptom. So the symptom is mean girl status, but the root cause is something deeper. You don't get to be a mean girl without there being pain inside of you that's unexpressed. So that actually is a really maybe grounding place for us to step into for a moment for you to understand that having this conversation or exploring this topic is not from a place of shame. If you feel like you have mean tendencies, it's You shouldn't feel shame about that because that comes from something, whether it's something that you've done to try and protect yourself, whether it's unexpressed anger inside of you, whether it's fear, whatever the reason, there is one. But if we can get to the root cause of this, that's where the real magic and the real transformation will happen. So one of the emotions that can be a root cause is jealousy. Jealousy. You're jealous, like at your core. You don't even want to admit it to yourself. You're jealous. And so that jealousy manifests as judgment, manifests as talking crap. But really what's in your core is feeling jealous. Years ago, I did a podcast interview with this woman and she she was interviewing me and she actually said something really honest. She was like, you know, when I saw your book come out and your book, she was talking about Girl, Wash Your Face. She's like, when I saw Girl, Wash Your Face explode, I just hated on you. Like I talked so much crap. I trashed it to my friends. I And she said, I start, I did that for several weeks. And then I had to ask myself why I was doing that. She's like, I realized I was jealous. And I realized that my jealousy came from knowing in my heart that I could also have written a book, that I wanted to be an author, but that I wasn't doing it because I was scared. So rather than admitting to myself that I wanted that thing too, I decided To hate on you, to sort of mask all of those feelings. Because if I can point my finger outward, right? Like if we can point at someone else, we don't have to look at what's going on inside. She's like, the beauty of that story was that she is now an author. Like she had done this work, she had unpacked what was going on, she found the root cause, and then she took action against it. But jealousy is usually pointing to a thing that we want. The other thing that jealousy points at is this belief that this is all a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game means that you believe on some level that if I'm winning, then you can't. Or you believe that if your sister is succeeding, there's less left for you. Or anytime you see someone and you feel those jealous pangs, that somehow it means like, you're not going fast enough. Your success isn't big enough. It's not going the way you want. Like they're living the life that they want or they're get, they got a partner or they got a man or they got that dream job. And like, what about me? Like the jealousy, we never really look at what the jealousy is telling us. Oftentimes your jealousy is actually an amazing gift. Your jealousy is pointing you toward what you actually want. Your jealousy on like a core level, you wouldn't be jealous if you didn't like, if that really wasn't your hope and dream as well. So your jealousy, first, you have to recognize that that's what it is, because there's a lot of people out here who will not even call it jealousy. They'll just talk a bunch of crap about everybody else and what they're doing and what they have, and how it doesn't work and how it's wrong and how that thing isn't is so stupid. Take a deeper look and understand, I mean, why would you even put that much energy? Why would you waste that much energy caring about what they're doing or what they have? Turn inward. Use that energy on yourself. Use that energy on your hopes, your dreams. Push your desires forward. You know, I love that i I know i quote it all the time but one of my favorite quotes is from tony robbins he says where focus goes energy flows you're putting all your focus and all your energy into hating on someone else into being jealous of someone else of course you have no energy left no focus left nothing left to give your own dreams and your own hopes the thing is guys someone succeeding at anything should be an indication to you that you can also succeed, right? Oh, so there is hope. So there are people who do this. So there is a way, right? Like it's not a, a, you know, like a a, a pipe dream. It's not something I made up. Like, look, there actually is someone doing that thing. That's awesome. There's so much to go. the, The world, it's infinitely abundant. There is so much abundance to go around. I promise you, your jealousy is wasted energy and you're missing what it's actually trying to tell you. Another big one, I would say possibly the biggest characteristic of mean girls is deep insecurity, which probably going to piss off some mean girls, but you, there is no bully on this earth that isn't deeply insecure. There is no mean girl on this earth that is not trying to cover up the fact that deep down inside, she's still a scared little girl. By the way, lots of us are scared little girls. We don't take it out on other people. But it just so happens that however you were formed, however you were parented, whatever came at you created this. And again, this is not from a place of shame. We're not having this conversation so that you can feel shame. We're having this conversation so that you can search your heart and you can make change. What are you feeling so insecure about? What's, let's even take it a layer back because insecurity is just fear. There's really only two emotions in life, really. Every emotion can be boiled down into one of two things, love or fear. That's it. So what are you really afraid of? Do you have imposter syndrome and you're afraid of being found out so your personality is so over the top and so big and in other people's faces and you're pointing out other people's flaws because you don't want anybody to see your own flaws, right? Like what's really going on? What's the fear that's under there? Because if you can look at it, whether that's something you do by yourself, whether you do it in a journal, whether you get therapy or counseling to unpack that, there's fear there. And- Even if you're a mean girl, you deserve love and care and support as much as anybody else, maybe more so, right? So if you can understand what the fear is, then you can start to get help for it. But attacking other people, however that manifests, whether it's behind her back or passive aggressive or trying to be funny or just being straight up mean or controlling or whatever, it's not going to give you the feeling that you want. It's never going to fill the void. It's never going to fill the void for you. See, the only antidote to fear is love. And this is really freaking hard to do. But the answer to all of this is that you love yourself. And loving yourself is not a light switch, right? You can't just flip it on and then all of a sudden everything's great. Loving yourself is a practice. Most of us, were not taught to love ourselves. So why on earth would you know? And that's not something to shame your parents because they probably also weren't taught to love themselves. But loving yourself is the same as personal freedom. If you have personal freedom, you extend personal freedom to other people. If you love yourself, you love others. The third thing that I see with mean girls is projection. And this is only something that I've really started to understand over the past couple of years, but it's a really good thing to look for, not just in Mean Girls, but for people in general, any sort of relationships you have, other people projecting their feelings onto you. So when it comes to Mean Girls, projection kind of shows up in the same way, you know, remember earlier when I was saying like, you know, you see something in them that you don't like about yourself and so you're sort of calling them out, but totally ignoring the work you need to do on you. Projection is when you are taking your feelings and your thoughts and projecting them on someone else. So this happens often, like in a relationship. You'll be like, oh, is my partner mad at me? And really, it's like that you're mad at them. Or you're like, oh, does my best friend's like I don't know they're like they're not calling me they're not talking to me whatever like I they are they feeling disconnected from me and really it's that you feel disconnected from them so you rather than acknowledge your own feelings you project your feelings on to the other person and hopefully you have a conversation about it but a lot of people don't a lot of people just go like yeah i'm probably right i'm going to believe every dumb thing that i think right most people make the mistake of believing everything that they think Instead of understanding that you get to actually separate truth from fiction. Dr. Amon says, you don't have to believe every stupid thing that you think. And projection is a big version of that. You don't actually have to believe those stories that you're making up in your own mind. I have someone in my life who I only realized recently is a like huge projector. And I caught them doing this with my kids, talking about my kids. So I have had my kids full-time since the beginning of the year and it's been awesome. Like typically I split up time with their dad and that's not something that's possible right now. So they've been with me full-time and I love it. I'm obsessed with my kids. I think they're so fun. And don't get me wrong. Like I definitely have days where I'm like, ooh. I need a break. Like I got to go on a business trip last week for two days, one night uh, for an upcoming podcast that was amazing. You guys will hear more about it later, but I got to go away and it was honestly, it was beautiful. It was a nice little break and I'm super grateful that I got to do it and shout out to my niece for hanging out with the kids so that I could go. All of that to say, I've had them full time and it's four kids and they have a lot of activities and, you know, work from home, like just all the things. It's a lot. And whenever I would talk to this person, they'd be like, oh, you know, like, I'm sure you're going to need a break. Like, I'm sure you're so over having the kids or I know this is really hard. They kept saying these things. And at first I thought that they were being caring. And then after like three times of it, I finally called the person out and I was like, I just want to make this clear. I'm not over having my kids. Before I got divorced, I was with my kids full time. I'm a mom. And it's hard, but it's also beautiful. And it's my number one mission in life is to raise good humans. And I have so much fun. Like, I love this. And I also think that we have to be careful about people projecting onto us because if it's a really strong influence in your life or if it's like a loud character, this person's not a strong influence, but they're a loud energy, they like... I think it can warp your perception of what's actually going on in your life. Not over my kids. I'm not overwhelmed by my kids. I'm not tired of being with my kids. I love this. And what I realize is that person who's talking to me, they are overwhelmed by parenting. They are feeling over it. They are feeling like it's too much. And they're trying to put that on me to sort of like make it equal. And it's not. And it's a mean girl tactic. Make no mistake because you're taking your own stuff and trying to shove it on her. And not only are you trying to shove it on her or shove it on him, but then the brilliance is that now you can judge them. So we're right back up to judgment. So you're projecting and then judging. And really, it's just all your own crap. Yeah, that's all I need to say about that. If you're not familiar with projection, if this is the first time you've heard someone talk about it. I'd really encourage you to do some research and just to understand the psychology behind it better because we do it to other people. Like I, a hundred percent, I've projected on my boyfriend before. And he's the one who was like, are you, do you really think I'm doing that? Or is that what you're doing right now? And I was like, oh my gosh, I am. Thank you for breaking me apart. But also projection is something that people use to manipulate you, whether it's intentional or not. So be conscious of what it means and how it shows up in your life. The last thing that I thought of when it comes to mean girls, this one is almost more a psychological thing, but it really shows up. And I have to be honest, I would say that the most awful girls and women I know, and I don't know if you guys would agree, because maybe you have different perception of this, but the most awful experiences I've had with other women are this personality, and that is the person who tries to control everything. And the person who tries to control everything, typically, it's an if you are into Enneagram, it's an unhealthy one. So they're a perfectionist and they want to control the world around them because they want to make it perfect. And the problem is that's impossible. So when it doesn't go their way and they can't control it, they freak out and they're awful to everybody. They make everybody miserable. Because life can't be the perfect way they imagine it, then everybody has to suffer. The other Enneagram I see this show up in a lot is an eight. The eight is a challenger. So they tend to try and control the situation in a challenging way. And the beauty of eights is that they've become a challenger because they're trying to protect either themselves or other people. But that dominating persona can really overwhelm a a personality that's not as strong. So trying to control everything around you is impossible. And you're not only making yourself miserable, you're making other people around you miserable too. And usually it's over situations that should be joyful. Going on a date with your partner, throwing your kid's birthday party, the holidays, you like have this image in your head of what it's supposed to be like. And the beauty of a situation like that is like, whatever it is, is going to be awesome if you have the right mindset. But unfortunately, control freaks have decided that if it doesn't look a certain way, if it doesn't show up a certain way, if it isn't exactly how I imagined it, then it's all garbage and screw this. And they're pissed and they're mean and they're hateful this personality or this situation to me ends up being a lot more in your face. This isn't the passive aggressive. This isn't the behind your back. This is the person who will absolutely tell you all of the ways that you are failing to live up to their expectations of you. And the gall, the gall, if this is you, if you recognize this in yourself, with the love in my heart, who do you think you are? You do not get to control everyone else's experience. You are only in control of your experience. Now, look, yeah, you're a mama, let's say. You do make decisions for your children. Of course you do. Or you're in partnership with someone. You do have understandings that you've committed to like, here's what it's going to be. But what you're not trying to control values here. You're not trying to put up guardrails to keep someone safe. In this scenario, you are trying to control their experience. And maybe it's because you believe that that's the task that you've taken on. Maybe you think like, oh, I'm responsible. I got to make sure everyone has a perfect holiday or I have to make sure this birthday is perfect or I have to make sure that this date is so romantic and, you know, we fall more in love and then we have four hours of sex later and like, it's all the great, like you make up this story in your head and maybe it's because you believe you have to. And the freedom for you in this situation is to remember that you are only in charge of your own experience. And the most beautiful thing will happen if you let go. Like if you let go and really just work on enjoying this present moment that you're in right now, it permeates to everybody else. That energy spreads to everyone. You want to have the best Christmas ever? You want to have the greatest birthday party ever? Have fun. I, I was a wedding planner for a decade. I used to tell bri- brides and grooms, they'd always be like, oh, we just want people to have fun. And like, what do we do? You know, how do we make sure that the DJ and how do we make sure the band and how do we make sure people have fun? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the easiest thing in the whole world. If you want your guests to have fun, go have fun because everyone's watching you and that stuff spreads. It's why half the restaurant was Cackling with laughter, so joyful watching this older woman do a shot because we were having the best time. It spreads. My sweet Enneagram 1, Enneagram 8 perfectionists. You don't have to figure it out for everybody else. Don't buy that myth. Don't listen to the voice in the back of your head that tells you you're responsible for everybody else. You are responsible for you. And if you really want to teach your children to be happy, to experience joy, Practice it in yourself because your desire to control the situation, to control your family, to manipulate everybody, to make them how you want them to be makes people hate you. That's, sorry, that's the truth. Those people who are so toxic about control, hey, we might keep showing up to the family functions, but that's out of obligation. That's not out of joy right? That like at some point people start to pull themselves back from you. And the worst is God bless. When that happens, you feel it. You don't know what's happening, but you feel it and you try and hold on tighter and you make it worse. You are not in control of someone else's experience and you don't get to take it out on them when they don't react the way that you think they should. If you want love, then you have to give love. If you want joy, practice joy. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about this, like for real, this is hard work unpacking this stuff. We all, every single one of us, have issues. We have issues that are inside of us. And I believe that we are on this journey and this path in our lives to unpack and figure out why we do things the way we do. How can I strip this away and this away and really be left with what matters How can I really get to who I want to be? And that oftentimes is not something that we can do alone. This may be a beautiful journey for you to go on with a therapist or a counselor. Or if you feel like you can take it on yourself, there's so many books that you can read about this, other podcasts that you can go listen to, other teachers that you can learn from. But whatever is making you lash out at others or lash out at your husband or your girlfriend or your best friends, that that comes from a place of pain. And I don't want you to live in pain. And I don't think you want to live in pain. And so I want to challenge you to do the work. And you don't have to figure it out, out today. And you don't have to know every answer today. But it begins with you starting to ask questions and with you becoming conscious of the times that you're being mean to other people, even if it's just inside your own mind. Because If you have that self-talk, like if you're speaking negatively in your own mind about her, my God, what are you saying to yourself? You deserve a better life. You deserve to be out of pain. So I hope that if you're hearing this and something that I'm saying is resonating with you, that you'll look for help. And I know there are times in my life I could not afford to go to a therapist, but you can go down to the library. Don't roll your eyes at me because this is what I did for a long time. You can go down to the library for free and start reading books that help you with this topic. And one, you know, little layer at a time, like an onion, you unpeel. And each piece, each scrap that you take off yourself, you get a little bit lighter and you feel better. And the beauty of that is that as you're learning, you're also teaching just by action, a better way to live. I hope that today's episode was helpful. I hope that you heard a little nugget that you felt like you needed or that maybe someone you know needs. If you dug it, You know, consider taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on social. Or maybe you just share this podcast with a a girlfriend or your daughter, your mom, someone that you think maybe needs to hear it. But I really hope that there was something in there that helped. Or maybe if you don't feel like you have a lot of mean girl tendencies, I hope that maybe this episode made you more empathetic to the mean girls in your life because. Again, they don't get it that way on accident. And if we're truly going to be in a sisterhood, and if we're truly going to be rooting for each other and hoping to lift each other up, then we have to make space for everybody at the table, not just the kind, perfect girl next door. All right, guys, I'm Rita Hollis. I'm so grateful that I get to hang out with you here. If you love the podcast, I hope you'll consider subscribing to this episode, this channel here on YouTube, or the podcast, wherever you get your pods. It's really helpful to podcast hosts when you subscribe to their channel. But until I see you next time, I want you to know I love you. I'm rooting for you. And if you have questions, if you want to get more insight, follow up, any of that information, the number for the hotline is in the show notes. So, the hotline is a place you can call and leave me a message, ask me a question. And oftentimes, I turn those into episodes here on the show. So, love you guys. Hope you have a great week. And I hope, I hope you go out into the world and practice kindness. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.